630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Second hour of Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich in the big chair today. Reed Wilkins joining me uh, from Chicago. That is the scene of the NHL draft. Round one tomorrow. The Oilers picking 22nd in round one. The last time they picked 22nd, they drafted Jordan Eberle. And he was traded today to the Islanders for Ryan Strom. Lots to get to here. We'll continue to take your reaction on that trade. We will open up the phone lines. If you want to chime in, 780-496-0063. Or shoot us a text at 630-630. We will bring aboard Reed here in a a minute or so. So Let's get to the Nate Draft Report. It's brought to you by Nate's Computer Training Center. Enroll now for summer certificates and courses at nate.ca slash summer guide. Peter Shirelli was speaking to the media earlier today, and he gave us a bit of an update on what he expects the Oilers will do with uh, the 22nd pick. Well, um... Certainly not as high a pick. Uh, there's, you know, there's some good players in our range. I'll give you the standard answers here. <laughs> Someone's gonna fall, and we'll be really happy. How's that? <laughs> no, we, we, we've got a cluster of four players that we think we're gonna get one of them, and and uh, you know, it's 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 good news, bad news that we're in 22. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm okay with it. So we know the others are picking 22. Keith Gretzky uh, was saying with Bob Stoffer after the combine that they uh, would like to add a skill to forward with some speed. They have the size. They have a, a number of uh, defensive prospects in the system that will uh, play in Bakersfield next season, such as Pagan, uh, Jones, Bear, and uh, Mantha. So adding a forward here makes sense, Reed. Any idea at those? Who is he, who's he talking about when he says they have four players? Do you have any idea? Yeah. <laughs> Can you narrow it down for us? Right? It's, it's totally different than, than other years. I, I, I mean, I, I guess the one name that I, I am kind of making an educated guess that is on their list, and I think you and Mark Spector were talking about him on Tuesday, is, is Kyler Yamamoto, who's kind of an, an intriguing prospect. I mean, other than that, I, I think anybody's guess is as, as good as mine. Uh, and, and I mean, I still even wonder. I mean, Shirelli said he thinks we're going to have four players that will still be there. It's so unpredictable. I was saying the other night, there's Casey Middlestad, right, the uh, the American player. Uh, Brendan, or maybe I was talking to you about it. Like, I've seen mock drafts where he's third, and I've seen mock drafts where he's 12th, right? Yeah. So I, I, I will say this. It, you know, it's going to be curious to see who the Oilers get. It, there's going to be way less pressure and expectation on that player than anybody else probably since they drafted ever maybe since they drafted Clefbaum 19th maybe because he could go and percolate for a while um then and from a just a kind of Alberta standpoint and you know I used to cover the AJHL and you covered junior a hockey as well in Saskatchewan so I'm and I got the interview Kale McCarr from the Brooks Ben didn't they announce today by the way that Brooks is hosting the RBC I they think did yeah 
20, is it 19 or is it right next year? I think it's 2019, if I remember correctly. So, and that's been a great program there. You know what? I, here's here's my, my prediction, a non-Oilers related prediction, but I'm going to make it anyway. I think Kale McCarr goes in the top five. Not just top ten, I think he goes top five. I mean, he's pretty much a lock to go top ten. I think he goes top five. That'd be a great story. So we'll see if that happens uh, tomorrow night. Great story for the AJHL if it happens as well. Uh, we'll talk more about the draft tomorrow, Reed. The, the big focus today is on uh, Jordan Eberle, the big trade for Ryan Stroman. James wants to jump in with us here, so we're going to conference you guys in, and we're going to get James to give his comments on the trade. James, what do you think? Hey, Brendan, thanks for taking my call. I hope you enjoyed my text off the top of the show. I know you can't read it. And uh, <laughs> hello to you, Reed. Oh, now, um, I'm, just now on, I'm titillated to know what the text was. I'll text you later, Reed. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, Everly going to the Islanders. I think one thing that's overlooked is his uh, head coach. Uh, commitment is probably the wrong word, but sometimes his work ethic um, perhaps wasn't there. And Doug Waite, even though he was gifted, was one of the hardest working Oilers uh, game in and game out when he uh, played for the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, as you guys have mentioned, if he plays with Tavares, I think 25, 30 goals isn't out of the realm of possibility and 65 to 70 points based on their world junior success. I'm going to hang up and let you guys comment. Okay, James, thanks for chiming in. Um... Thinks Everly here's, will succeed here's, here's in uh, on the island. I, I, I'm I'm doubtful Everly approaches 70 again, but but I think getting into into around 60 is certainly. I mean, he was at 51 this year, so he'd have to improve by about 20, percent which is which is certainly possible. I, I, you know, I don't know if this is what James meant, but he mentioned the the, the work ethic and what Doug Wade had. I don't know. I, I don't know if Jordan. I mean, a lot of people say, "Well, look at." I know there's one texture that always called him ever lazy. I, I don't think Jordan Everly's lazy. I don't think it's work ethic. I just think that's the type of player he is. I, I think that is his skill set. I, I think you know, shooting and dangling a little bit has worked for him since he was probably a very young kid, and that's just kind of the road he went down as a player. And for whatever reason, he didn't develop enough in other areas to help a team consistently on a nightly basis. Maybe Doug Wade will help to help bring that out of him. Yeah, perhaps. And here's the thing, Reed. They don't have a lot of wingers there. Like, they tried to sign Andrew Ladd to be that guy to play with Tavares. That didn't work out clearly. He had a, a terrible year, a terrible start to his a tenure with the Islanders last season. Uh, they had Josh Bailey with him for a lot of the year last year. He had a good year. So I think Everly will slide in there and start with Tavares. We'll see if uh, he can figure it out and if it will lead to some success. Jed wants to jump in here as well. Jed, you're on with uh, Reed and I on Inside Sports. Hey, Reed. How are you doing? Good. Um... It's coming down to work ethic, and if you can't play with McDavid, now maybe the speed with McDavid is a little bit too quick. But then they tried him a dry sidle. It didn't work out. Then they dropped him down to the third line. And like you say, it might come down to confidence, or maybe, like they say, it's time to turn the cover, and maybe he needs a new cover too. And maybe it'll work out, and I hope it does. Guy's a great guy. Guy's always good in the community. You know, and it's sorry to see somebody like that go, but if it ain't going to work, it ain't going to work. Now, with Strom, I think, uh, hey, boys, uh, if he can click, we got ourselves a deal. Well, you make a good point with, and I, I wanted to reference that, Jed, with Everly's ice time. I mean, there were games late in the season. He was down. I think there was even one game he only played 11 minutes. But, Brendan, I mean, we, we would always look at it on the stat sheets after the game. He was – he 
rarely played over 15 minutes a game in the playoffs, right? And earlier in his career, even under McClellan, you could pencil him in for 18, 19, even getting over, you know, up, up around 20 if there was power play time. So, yeah, he probably does need a change of scenery. I think his confidence was affected, and I, and I think there are some fundamental things he needs to focus on to, to score and get that confidence back. And, and, yeah, I hope he finds them with the Islanders as well. Well, yeah, I, I said this earlier on Oilers Now, right? I think this is a trade that could work out for both parties, and I, I hope it does as well. I hope it works out for everybody on the island, and I hope Strom comes here and lights it up as well. So uh, I think Strom needed to change the scenery as well. Uh, it's interesting, though. He talked about finding that success with Doug Waite once he took over, and then, of course, he broke his wrist, and uh, it ended his season early. But he says he's coming here with confidence because Doug Waite sort of helped turn things around for him uh, in, in New York. So we'll see if he can bring that confidence to Edmonton with him. And he says that's what he needs to do as a player is play a confident game, bring that swagger. And I think you need that. You need that confidence if you're going to, to play with McDavid or a dry settle. And maybe that's where Everly lost his way for whatever reason. Maybe he lost that confidence, that offensive touch. And that's why it didn't work out with those skilled centers. Well, yeah, and I mean, I've, I've said this a million times, and, and I, I'm stealing it from Rob Brown, who said it after the Oilers were eliminated. Everly did not have a good scoring chance on his forehand in the entire series. I mean, he had shots, but they were usually from uh, not a great spot on the ice, and they were usually gobbled up by the goaltender pretty easily. I mean, there, there's a there's a very good hockey player there. He's he's very talented. Um, I, I think, you know, Shirelli referenced maybe he sees more of a well-rounded player in Strom and hopefully a player who can who can be pretty dangerous shooting the puck. Uh, a couple of uh, quick text messages before uh, we let you go. You can call us as well at 780-496-0063. Steven says, hey, guys, Everly last year played Unreal with McDavid when they both, I think you saw him about two years ago, when they both got back from injury. This year, Everly just had a plain old bad year with whoever he played with, so I disagree that he couldn't play with McDavid. I believe next year he bounces back with 30 goals and uh, 65 points. That one's from Steven. Uh, where's this one here? This can't figure out who this is from, but he says, unfortunately, Hall, Everly, Nugent Hopkins, as good as those guys are and will be, always associated with the decade of doom. Perception optics always play a part. GM Peter does sell it as cap management, but management and owner wants to sweep that past away. RNH is next for a D-man. I, I think there's, I, I, I think there's some merit to that. I, I don't know if I would take it exactly the same angle as the texture did. I, I don't know if Shirelli and Cates and Nicholson are saying, let's just get rid of all these guys that were part of the teams that lost, that, that were associated with the first couple of rebuilds. I don't, I don't know if it's quite that simple, but I do think there is something to the, the changing nature of the Oilers. The team now revolves around McDavid and Dreisaitl, and I think players like Maroon, Lucic, Cassian, Latestu, and Talbot are then sort of that second sphere of support guys who, while maybe not being stars, are very reliable, Clefbaum and Larson. And, and I do think maybe Everly sort of got lost in that shuffle in terms of where he exactly fit in the pecking order of the team. Interesting comment, though, by that texter. Uh, Reed, before we let you go, um, the schedule came out today. I don't even know if you had a chance to look oh, at I this. Have. Yes, a little <laughs> bit. Not as much as I usually would, but yeah. Well, Everly is in town on March 8th, I believe. Yep. 
And That's then uh, the other big dates that I was looking forward to were the Vegas games. So Vegas is in town on uh, the 14th and the Oilers. Plan your Vegas trips accordingly are in Vegas on February 15th. Or is it January 15th? I have to look back at that. I think it's January, and then the Oilers get a bye week right after being in Vegas. So that'll be fun. Uh, Pittsburgh is here early, November 1st. So that's one to remember. The Leafs are here. I'm just scanning through it now. Uh, pardon me. Montreal, the Leafs are here uh, end of November, November 30th. Montreal is here right before Christmas, Saturday, December 23rd. So that'll be a fun way to go until the Christmas break. Yeah, the Vegas game, the others are at Vegas. I was off completely. It's January 13th, not even the 15th. So, And they play everybody. There's an extra team in their division now with Vegas being added. So they play everybody in the division four times each. Except with the way the, the, the numbers work, they have to play one team five times. Thankfully, this year that's the Calgary Flames because they only played them four times last year. Three of the games will be in Calgary. And what did I tell you before the show, Reed? I said, hey, the Riders are going to win tonight. They're up 10-7 at the half. Kind of a weird game. Obviously, I haven't been able to see it. Sounded like there was some controversy on whether the Riders' touchdown should have stood or not, but it did. I still say Montreal wins that one, Brendan, and I will bet you a pint when I get back. Sounds good. Go enjoy some more pizza or whatever you want to do in Chicago. It sounds like it's a fun time, so enjoy it. Thanks for having me on, and thanks to everybody for tuning in tonight. That's the regular host of this program, Reed Wilkins, the host of Oilers Hockey here on 630 Ched uh, in Chicago for the draft. The coverage tomorrow will be a little bit different. But we will have a pre-show, I believe, from 4 to 5. And then uh, Bob, Jack, and Reed will be providing cut-ins uh, throughout the draft. The Oilers are set to pick 22nd overall. They don't have a second-round pick this year. But they do have two-thirds, so maybe that changes. Uh, it's 7 in Edmonton. The phone lines are open. We have Morley Scott coming up as well. 780-496-0063. We'll continue on with the uh, Eberly for Strom talk. More text messages and phone calls when we come back. This is Inside Sports. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 723 in Edmonton Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich with you tonight in studio. Kellen Kennedy here as well. Kellen, we had read on, so I didn't get a chance to bring you aboard. How are things going tonight? Uh, doing okay. How about you? It's been a busy day. Oh, yeah. Busy oh. couple days, actually. <laughs> I was here uh, till 9 o'clock last night following the awards. I came back to work at 8 o'clock this morning, and I'm still here tonight. So, But, you know, when things happen, it's, it's fun, and it goes by fast. And soon I'll be in Europe, so I can't complain. Absolutely. Where are you heading in Europe? What uh, country? Uh, I'm heading out July 1st, starting in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and then uh, going to Germany, Berlin. We're training there, then to Poland. And then from Poland, we're flying to Italy. And then from Italy, we're flying to Ibiza. So. I just have a friend that just came back from Germany. She was over in Dresden and uh, Berlin and that stuff and said it's an awesome trip. Make sure you go take take in the sights. Go check out the wall and all that stuff. So. Yeah, I can't wait. I don't know how much sights I'll be seeing. I'm going with two of my single buddies, and they like the party. So I don't know. We'll see. Oh, you'll see some sights. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even talk about McDavid cleaning house last night at the awards. Uh, he was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today, and he talked about winning the Ted Lindsay Award. And this is the award that's voted on by the players. So if you're a player, yeah, that's pretty cool. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, that, that means so much. These are the guys you go head-to-head against every night. They're the guys you compete with and, and you battle against. And, um, you know, for them to show that kind of respect and, and um, you know, 
think of you that way, it uh, it truly means the world to me, and um, you know, I, I just want to thank him. That's uh, very uh, very special for me. Let's get to uh, our Crystal Glass scoreboard here, brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. Yes, the CFL season officially underway tonight. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders up 10-7 on the Montreal Alouettes with 12.48 to go in the third quarter. Uh, the Eskimos in action on Saturday. The Blue Jays lost earlier today to Texas. I believe it was 11-4. Uh, right now, the NBA draft is going on. I don't know if anyone cares about that, but Philadelphia 76ers selected Markel Fultz first overall. The Lakers have the second pick, and they went with LeVar Ball. So that's a quick update on the NBA draft. Uh, there were two other trades in the National Hockey League today. Uh, we mentioned the biggest one, of course, Everly for Strom. Uh, but Carolina also requ- acquired defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk and a 2018 seventh-round pick from the Vegas Golden Knights for a 2017 second-rounder. Boy, so, TVR had a short stay in yeah. Vegas, eh? Wow. Yeah, no doubt. That's crazy. Did he even go there? They just said, hey, we're trading you. Yeah, that's it. He, he didn't have enough time to look at the real estate listings. <laughs> yeah, well, David Schlemko as well. Really? Good old Edmonton boy. He was dealt from Vegas, too. Wow. To Montreal for a 2019 fifth-round pick. So Vegas is stockpiling those picks. They have three first-round picks in the draft tomorrow. I believe they have three second-rounders as well. Uh, 727 here in Edmonton. More of your text messages when we come back on the Eberly for Strom trade. If you want to chime in, give us a call, 780-496-0063. And we'll be joined by the voice of the Eskimos, Morley Scott. That's all ahead on Inside Sports. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Mike Riley and the Eskimos getting things going Saturday in BC against his former team as well. CFL season underway right now in Montreal. The Alouettes hosting Saskatchewan. The Riders leading 13-7 with 7.59 to go here in the third quarter. Daring Durant at quarterback for Montreal. That uh, takes some time to get used to. We'll talk more about the CFL with Morley Scott here in a few minutes. We'll get his reaction on the big trade today as well. You can text us 630-630. I love this new uh, system we have. Uh, I've started using it more and more where you can actually save the text messages you want to get to, and they slide over to the side, but then I always forget about them. But RCN, uh, who always texts the show, made a really good point here that I wanted to get to earlier, but I forgot about it until now, so hopefully he's still listening. RCN says, for those shocked at $14 million for McDavid, of course, this number was floated out there by Darren Drager. I don't know if he said this in Insider Trading or a radio appearance, but he brought up that number, and I think when people see that at first, they're like, whoa, shocked by it. That's a huge number. But he makes a good point here. RCN says, if uh, you take the same percent of cap as Crosby took on his second deal, and he's saying 17%, he'd get 1275 mil per season. That might be the ballpark. And as Reed and I talked about, McDavid's setting the standard here moving forward. He is going to be the most paid player in the NHL and uh, he is going to set the bar moving forward for the players. So are we looking at 13 million here? 14, 12.75 in that range? It's possible. 
And I have no idea what that means for Leon Drysaddle if McDavid is getting close to 14. We'll have to wait and see what officially happens uh, when Charlie gets both of those deals done. Um, he was saying they needed cap space, and uh, he doesn't expect uh, another team to make an offer sheet because now they have cap space and they'll match whatever uh, it's throwing at whatever's thrown at them in terms of dry settle for to happen. But he also said he doesn't think it's going to happen, but they want to be prepared for every angle. And Steven says, Hey, guys, I hope Paul the RV can step up, but I would have kept Everly this season to see uh, for sure what these rookies can do. I think we'll regret this trade when Everly gets 30 goals this season playing with John Tavares from Steven. Well, hey, Everly could get 30. What if Strong gets 25? for the Oilers. I think it's a strong possibility as career high 17, but he plays with McDavid, our dry settle, and he shoots the puck like he was talking about earlier. That's going to be his focus and goal here coming to Edmonton. Shoot the puck all the time. He knows that's what he needs to do. Maybe he gets 25 for the Oilers. We'll have to wait and see. All right. CFL season officially underway tonight. Saskatchewan and Montreal duking it out. And uh, we're bring, we'll bring aboard Morley Scott to talk about the trade today and some CFL stuff. Uh, Morley Scott in BC for the big game this weekend, the Eskimos and the Lions. But before we get to that, Morley, I told Ray Wilkins Saskatchewan was going to win tonight. I had a feeling. And so far, they're up on Montreal. I know you were flying earlier. Have you had a chance to watch any of this game? I just kind of settled in my room here in, uh, in Vancouver, Brendan. I have it on. Didn't Montreal just score a touchdown? Oh, did they? I think, <laughs> I think so. Shows how much uh, I'm paying. Let me double check there. I, it's in commercial I right I now, so I can't see. <laughs> so, uh, I think much. I, they I don't did. Know. Yes, they did. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know what Sketch is going to be like this year. I really. I know there's been some predictions they're going to finish as high as the third or second in the CFL West. Uh, I noticed one columnist in in Regina predicted them to get eight wins and finish uh, above the Eskimos in the standings, which. Find very hard to believe. Ernest Jackson, I think, got uh, just got a touchdown, did he not? For the uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, for the Alouettes. So yeah, there's. Uh, <laughs> so the I sound foolish now. <laughs> yeah, the Alouettes are in front now. So uh, it's a long way to go still. Long way to go still. Yeah, uh, the uh, the uh, the Riders are going to be interesting to watch this year, just to see how they how they play out because they've had so many changes. You know, not just uh, in the off season, but all during the season last year, and even through training camp this year, they were bringing guys in every day and seeing and moving guys out. I mean, they just picked up Jovan Johnson and after Montreal uh, uh, cut him at the end of training camp. So they're mo- they're still moving guys in and out, and it just seems like Chris Jones is not happy with anybody. And he just, if he sees someone who thinks he's, who is better, he'll go out and get him, and he won't let uh, the guys he have kind of settle in a little bit. And I think that keeps the dressing room on edge. Might be good in some situations, but I think in this, situations, in this situation, I don't think anybody's enjoying it. Uh, in terms of the Eskimos, I've been so busy with all the hockey stuff lately. I've sort of been uh, following that more, so I haven't really been following this story that closely. But uh, Nate Behar is back with the Eskimos now, Morley. Uh, of course, he was drafted by the Oilers in the uh, draft this year, uh, top receiver taken. Uh, what's the deal here? Now he's with the team. How is everything going uh, in terms of that relationship? Well, he signed, and he was at practice today for the first time with the club and uh he won't play this weekend uh, no chance of that happening uh, he's going to get uh, get fed slowly with the playbook and get into game shape i mean he's he missed all of training camp he hasn't uh, hasn't had any contact in a long long time so 
the thing you, uh, that you question is is uh, the relationship and the attitude right now. All seems well today. I mean, he's signed a contract. He's getting paid. He's got a two-year deal, one year plus an option, which uh, belongs to the club, which I do, have no doubt they will exercise at the end of this year. Uh, he, now he's got to come out. He's got to come in, and he's got to prove that he's worth what he wanted to try and get what he wanted in his next contract. He's probably got some teammates to win over as well because uh, of some of the things that were were said. But uh, that's the beauty about sports, I, I, Brendan. When you, you can have a bad contract situation, you can have a dispute, you can have a guy not signing and not being at training camp. But once he signs, he's your buddy. He's your brother. He's on your team. He's in your family. And he'll get treated that way. But uh, he's got a long way to go as far as getting ready to play and getting the eye of the coaching staff. I think he missed a glorious opportunity in training camp because of the injury to Shamad Chambers, one of the Canadian uh, receivers in camp. Uh, he would have had an opportunity to get more reps and get his name uh, get his name on the depth chart uh, somewhere and get noticed a little bit. But instead, he was trying to work out a contract and uh, wasn't anywhere near training camp. And if you're if you're not getting reps, nobody's noticing you, right? So now it's his job to to get into practice and somehow get noticed and kind of get his way into the lineup somehow, which I don't think will happen anytime soon. Uh, let's get to uh, some predictions, Morley, since uh, it's the official start of the CFL season today, and everyone seems to be doing that on Twitter right now. Uh, last season, the Eskimos go 10-8. and eight. Uh, They cross over uh, to the east. Um, this division is tough once again. Uh, Calgary, BC, Winnipeg should be good. We don't know what Saskatchewan's like. Uh, they look okay so far tonight. Um, what do you have for the Eskimos? Will they improve on that 10-8 and 8 record from last season? Uh, I'm not sure they're going to improve on 10-8, and 8, but I think they're going to be a better football club than they were last year. I think they've shored up a lot of... Uh a lot of spots in the club where they were uh, where they weren't as strong last year, especially the defensive backfield, which will be a work in progress, especially with Forrest Hightower injured still and uh, and likely not playing uh, in the in the near future anyway. Uh, they they're better in the defensive backfield. Uh, they're better on the defensive line. They've really added uh, some depth guys at the receiver position. I know they've lost Darrell Walker, and that's a lot of yards, but. Uh, uh, Duke Williams has been terrific through training camp in the preseason games, and uh, he'll be in the lineup, I believe, uh, come Saturday when they play here in Vancouver. Uh, they've, they've also got Vidal Hazelton, who they brought in last year, and uh, learned the system in practice, and then uh, will, be a, will also be in the lineup, I think, come Saturday here in Vancouver. So I think they're going to kind of make up those yards uh, that uh, they lost with Darrell Walker leaving by committee and they have a pretty potent offense. I mean, they put 30-plus points up on the board both preseason games. Sadly, they gave up 30-plus points in both preseason games, so that's, that's something to look at. But uh, I think they'll be a better team than last year, but I don't know if they'll be better than 10-8 and 8 just because the West is so tough. The key to the West this year, Brendan, is going to be winning your divisional games. You're going to have to beat your, your teams in your own division to have success this year because if you don't win in the West, you're going to be playing in the playoffs in the East, I think, or not at all. Uh, and that's plain and simple how it's going to happen. The West is just so tough. It's going to be so hard to predict. The top four teams in the West could be the top four teams in the Canadian Football League, just like last year. You know what, Marley? I'm going with the Eskimos to go 12-6 and six this season. Maybe that's really? uh, a little bit homerish, but uh, I just the big reason why is the coaching staff is back for the second year. I mean... 
That was a huge turnover for the Eskimos, and yep. not only from the coaching staff, they lost a lot of players from that Grey Cup team as well, immediately going to Saskatchewan. Uh, but just the fact that Jason Moss is here for his second year and Mike Benavides is here for his second year on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think that D can get any worse than they were last year. At the start, they, they improved throughout the year, but I think they should hit the ground running a bit here out, out the gate. So I, I have them going 12-6. and six. But yeah, as you yeah. talked about, that division's tough. What scares you the most in this division? Uh, just uh, just that anything can happen. I mean, you can have a two-game uh, stumble, and if you lose two straight to... Western Division teams, uh, you're kind of you're kind of in the in the back seat already. So you have to have a good start. Uh, game one doesn't doesn't mean you're going to finish first if you win or finish out of the playoffs if you lose. But it's, uh, I, I talked to Jason Moss about that this week, and and he knows a good start's important, and, and it's a marathon, not a sprint. And a lot of things change from game one to game eighteen. But getting off to a good start is really, I think, imperative for the Eskimos. They they had a bad start last year, and I think. 12-6 and six is probably not out of the realm of possibility, uh, Brendan, because they're going to have a better start. They're going to be a better club out of the gates this year just because they know the system, they know the coaching staff, and they know each other a little bit better than they did last year at this time. So I, I think 12-6 and six is not certainly out of the realm of possibilities. But uh, I just keep looking around the West, and, and I mean, Calgary is going to be just as good as they were last year. I don't think the, the team's in the West will will have as many wins as they had last year at the top of the standings, uh, but they'll be just as good. BC is going to be really... Winnipeg's kind of an unknown for me, too, because of their situation last year with the turnovers. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get all the turnovers they had last year. I don't know if they're going to get all the field goals they had last year. They had trouble punching the ball into the end zone when they got those turnovers, so they're going to have to score more points than they did last year to be successful. More points, uh, uh, you know, get more touchdowns than field goals. So they're kind of a mystery to me as well. So I, it's, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be tremendous to watch. It's going to be very entertaining. And I, I see Calgary finishing first. And then honestly, it can be Edmonton. It can be BC. It can be Winnipeg uh, finishing anywhere, second, third, and fourth. I still think Saskatchewan's going to, going to finish uh, finish in last place, but they're going to be a better team than they were last year for sure. Well, just quickly on the game Saturday, Morley, we're going to find out what this secondary is made of in a hurry with the, all the talented receivers that BC has, Arsenal, Burnham, and they added uh, Chad Williams as or Chris Williams as well. So uh, that's a lot of talent. They have the quarterback to get those receivers uh, the ball as well. So it's going to be a big test right out the gate for the Eskimos on Saturday. Absolutely. I was talking to Arjun Colhoun this week, who's probably going to get a lot of time on the, uh, on the, on the wide side corner. And he said that he anticipates them trying to put Manny Arsenal on him a lot in the game. And he's done a lot of film work, uh, this week trying to prepare for that and says, yeah, it's going to be a test. If, you know, he's new to the league. The other guys aren't new to the league, but, uh, they're still going to be tested by that great receiving core. But it's going to be baptism by fire for Arjun Colhoun for sure coming into his first CFL game and having to face that great receiving core that the BC Lions have. Uh, what do you think of the big hockey trade, Marley? I know you've uh, been focused on getting set for Saturday and traveling today, but uh, I mean, you've watched, you've been in Edmonton for a long time. You used to, you know, cover the Oilers uh, right here for 630 Chet as well. Um, and uh, this is a pretty big trade up there with some of the bigger trades of all time. I mean, no, there's no doubt that Everly is uh, a big-time player for this team. He played here for seven years. We, we watched Hall get traded last offseason. Where do you think this is uh, compared to with some of those big trades that the Oilers have made in, uh, in their team history? Well, if you, if you just compare the two big ones uh, of, of the last two years, this one with Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall's trade was more of a hockey trade, right? They needed to get that defenseman. They needed to get that guy who 
you could get the puck out of their own zone, you could get the puck up to the forwards, you could make them better defensively. That was more of a hockey trade than this one was. If you just compare hockey players, uh, Jordan Everly's right now a better player. You know, his, his worst season is, is better than Strom's best season. Uh, that's plain and simple. But there's more to it than that, right? There, there's cap issues, there's chemistry, there's, there's Everly coming off a, a, a real disappointing playoff uh, run while everything else was positive for the Oilers over those two rounds that they went in the playoffs. There wasn't a lot of positivity coming from Jordan Everly. So I, I think this is more than the, a hockey trade. It's the cap space, obviously, that's the big thing with having to sign those two guys in the offseason. You know, one for sure, and then trying to extend Connor McDavid. So, yeah, and I heard, uh, I heard, I think you're reading text before you brought me on, and you said one guy said, uh, it's not going to be a good trade next year when uh, when Everly scores 30 or 35 goals playing with John Tavares. Well, he wasn't going to score 35 goals playing here because John Tavares wasn't going to play here. That's you know that's that's the thing. You weren't going to get those kind of numbers. I don't think out of Jordan Everly in Edmonton anymore. I think he needed a fresh start. I anticipate him having a pretty good year next year and being a good player because he's going to be uh, he's going to be more of a of a top three guy probably with the Islanders. So he'll get more opportunities on the power play. He'll get lots of time to play. But uh, it's a trade that Shirelli made for other reasons than just hockey, and it's going to come out you know in the next few weeks after they sign those contracts, that, yeah, that's because we got the cap space to do these deals, that we were able to do these deals because we traded away Jordan Everly $6 million. Morley, before let's, let me let me say this. Um, I can't wait till your first CFL walk. When you go around and Snapchat it all, that's my favorite thing about the <laughs> CFL season. So Morley Scott's game day walks, give him a follow on Snapchat. <laughs> there, there, I usually do those on Vine and put them on Twitter. So okay. uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be Saturday morning. And of course, there's not many more places more beautiful in this country than walking around uh, uh, along the water in Vancouver. So yeah, that'll come your way Saturday morning for sure. <laughs> I look forward to it. Yes, I do as well. Thanks, Morley. Okay, Brendan, talk to you later. That's the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Eskimos, Morley Scott. Joining us here on Inside Sports. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and uh, we'll wrap up the show. We'll update you on some of the things going around uh, the sporting world tonight and uh, get to more of your text messages uh, before we look ahead to the NHL draft tomorrow night. That's ahead on Inside Sports. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Alrick in for Wilkins, Inside Sports tonight. Uh, we've been talking about the Jordan Eberle for Strom deal. We'll get to a bunch of your text messages to wrap up the show here in a second. Bob McKenzie putting out on Twitter not too long ago, saying progress made over the course of the day on contract extension for Chris Russell with the Oilers. He says, assuming no last-minute hiccups, it may be done tomorrow. Uh, belief is it's likely to be a four-year deal at $4 million. He says in the general vicinity of $4 million. Not a done deal just yet, but all indications point to it getting done in relatively short order. So that's from Bob McKenzie. You heard Peter Shrelly earlier today saying he wants to get this done before July 1st. Uh, they need a defenseman. Sakura is going to be on long-term IR to start the season. They lost Reinhardt in expansion. Uh, so it makes sense they would circle back and bring Russell here. Four years at $4 million, though, that's a lot of money. Uh, I'm not sure I love the... I don't love the, the value at all, I'll tell you that. But 
The fact is, there's not a lot of defensemen out there, and there is competition for his services. We've heard teams like Vegas, Calgary, Mark Spector even mentioned uh, Toronto at one point being in the mix here. So, Shirley had to pay up. And Russell's looking to, you know, cash in after a relatively strong season here with the Oilers. So, $4 million's a lot. I know uh, a lot of the bloggers are not going to like that if this is indeed the uh, the uh, term and value that it comes to. And it likely will be if Bob McKenzie's saying it. So, I know Elliot Friedman said uh, an earlier thing on uh, Oilers Now today about this as well. So it looks like that will be about the ballpark for Russell. What do you think about that? Text us 630-630. We'll get to as many uh, text messages here as we can. Apparently I said uh, LeVar Ball got drafted. It's Lonzo Ball going to the Lakers. A few people have chimed in on that. I guess people care about the NBA. Uh, What else do we have here? Strome for Everly was a good deal. It freed up cap space, but now the absolute worst thing to do would be to give it all back on a bad deal for Russell. A three-by-three deal or a two-year $10 million deal would be fine. The fourth year would be too long for him at $4 million would just negate everything you gain by trading Everly. Uh, Text sort of red deer. And we were just talking about how it could be a four-by-four type deal here for Russell. So... I don't think a lot of people will love that uh, value, but that's what it's going to be, most likely. Paul says, hey, I think in McDavid's case, he does a 10-year deal by five. Someone else will be making more, and also the percent of the cap will decrease each year as the cap goes up. Well, you can't do a 10-year deal. Uh, RFAs can do eight-year deals with their teams. UFAs can sign seven-year deals under the CBA. So uh, it's, I don't know if it'll be a five, a four, or an eight-year deal. If it's, if we're talking 14 million here, I'm assuming that's a long-term deal. Like we're talking eight years likely for McDavid. If it's close to that, uh, that number, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't like this trade, not happy with it, but I understand the reasoning behind and still have faith in Peter. And uh, texture to Drumheller says, I think the assigning Russell is awesome. He's so underrated, Mike in Drumheller. So that wraps up uh, the edition of Inside Sports. Thanks for uh, helping out, Kellen. Yeah, no problem. Draft tomorrow, big night. Oilers picking 22nd. My prediction, Kaylor Yamamoto, if he's there, will be the pick. I know they like Veselainen as well, but he'll likely go before that. Watch out for Josh Norris if uh, both those guys are off the board for the Edmonton Oilers. The draft is tomorrow. Bob Stoffer on Oilers now tomorrow, live from the draft floor in Chicago. There'll be lots of wheeling and dealing tomorrow. I uh, can't wait for that to happen. Brennan Ulrichin for Reed Wilkins and Inside Sports tonight. It's been a blast. We will talk to you again tomorrow. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.